Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. It's one of those videos that you see from a street camera. And you see this tall man running at full speed and just body slamming into this smaller, older man. We have disturbing new surveillance video of this crime. It shows a complete disregard for human life. And this video you're about to see may be difficult for some to watch. And then the tall man just turns around and stalks off. And what struck me in that moment was the clear intention and just anger and hatred from the tall man. You can see Ratana Pakti in the driveway. A suspect barrels him down and takes off, leaving the victim lifeless on the ground. I mean, it later turned out he didn't even know the older guy, but he was clearly channeling his anger onto him in such a violent way. Ratana Pakti died from his injuries on Saturday. San Francisco police say... I mean, I saw that photo of him later and I thought he could have been my grandfather, just targeted randomly and killed. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today... My parents are seeing these attacks on the news. And it's putting them on edge and putting everyone in the community on edge. Irene Noguchi on the rise in violence against Asian Americans. Irene, a lot of people probably know your name from the end of the show. But just in case they don't, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. My name's Irene Noguchi. I'm the executive producer of podcasts and audio here at Politico. And you're also my boss. And <laughs> <laughs> Technically, yes. <laughs> so I was wondering to get started if I could read a Slack that you sent me uh, about a week ago. Sure. So you Slacked me. Um, my folks called me this weekend and specifically are asking me to carry mace on runs. Um, and you and I are both people who I know love going running. And I was wondering if you could just tell me the story of, of what's behind your parents asking you to make sure you do that. I mean, I'd seen stories of racist attacks popping up all over my social media feed since the pandemic started, you know, especially after Trump kept blaming China and calling COVID the, quote, Chinese virus and, quote, Kung flu. Um, but I think the moment that it really hit me was when when I slacked you because I was talking to my dad on the phone mm -hmm. and my dad's one of those, I think he's like your dad. He's one of those dorky dads who just love to tell dad <laughs> jokes and make puns, you know? Yep. But he's also the most level-headed, logical guy I know. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't blow things out of proportion. And he says to me, he says, do you have pepper spray or mace? I want you to be extra careful when you're out running and check your surroundings. And he kept insisting that I order pepper spray before he let me off the phone. And I guess this stood out to me because I realized how on edge everyone was. Hate crimes against Asian Americans are on the rise. Attacks against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders are on the rise nationwide, but New York City in particular has been hit hard by the violence. Finding specific data about hate crimes is really hard. It's hard to track these things. Sometimes they get misclassified as not being tied to race or religion or other things. There's no national reporting standard. But this has been a definite surge in cases. And Stop AAPI Hate, it's a group that started during the pandemic, they've reported receiving more than 2,800 firsthand reports of anti-Asian incidents. Wow. And that's counting from March 19th, 2020 through the end of 2020. Mm -hmm. So almost 3,000. 
And there's another civil rights group in LA, Asian American Advancing Justice, that thinks the numbers are actually higher than 2,800 because people are afraid to report it or think that the police won't do anything. New video tonight showing the moment a man shoved a 52-year-old woman to the ground outside a bakery in Queens, causing her to hit her head so hard she needed at least a half dozen stitches. Yeah, that victim, at least the third Asian woman assaulted in New York City in the last two days alone. And, and almost a third of those cases are incidents where the attackers or people are yelling, go back to China, you effing insert derogatory slur here. When Denny Kim was attacked on the streets of Los Angeles last month, he became yet another victim of disturbing anti-Asian violence. They started hurling racial insults. Uh, they started calling me uh, Chinese virus. We're seeing different incidents pop up. There was a 91-year-old man in Oakland who was violently pushed to the ground. We have some new video tonight of an elderly man who was pushed to the ground in Oakland's Chinatown by a suspect who police say went on to assault two more victims. Seen this before? In that right, case, the actors Daniel Day Kim and Daniel Wu offered a $25,000 reward for any info on the attacker, and that led to someone being arrested. You know, there was a Filipino man in Manhattan who was slashed across the face. There was a 27-year-old Air Force veteran who was jumped by two guys in L.A.'s Chinatown. Knocked to the ground and berated with racial slurs and threats. A Korean-American man who is also a veteran of the U.S. Air Force is speaking out about his attack now under investigation as a hate crime. I want to point out that these verbal and physical attacks, like, they're not new. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember multiple times as a kid people pulling up next to my mom's car, rolling down their window, and either making the quote, you know, Asian eyes by pulling the ends of their eyes outward or yelling at her, go back to China. And my mom would just sit in the front seat, refuse to make eye contact until the light turned green and we could just drive on. But I think what's new here is the frequency. Like there's been a surge this past year that's so clearly tied to misconceptions and fear over COVID clearly tied to the language the former president and others have used. Well, yeah, I wanted to ask, do we know exactly why we are seeing this spike? So I think it's hard to pin down an exact reason, but I think most people would point to the former president's language and trigger words. Some important developments in our war against the Chinese virus will be invoking the Defense Production Act. I mean, the president wasn't shy about blaming China for the coronavirus, using racist trigger words to do so. Why do you keep using this? Because it comes from it's China. Racist. It's not racist at all, no, not at all. It comes from China. Getting rounds of applause from crowds whenever he said it. You know, you'd see things in the media, like Fox News personality Jesse Waters saying, I'd like to ask the Chinese for a formal apology. apology. <laughs> this coronavirus originated in China, and I have not heard one word from the Chinese. A simple I'm sorry would do. It would go. And, you know, his co host laughing in the background. And I think it became clear that these words were having an effect because people who were doing these attacks were using similar phrasing and similar racist words. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the irony of all this, Jeremy, is that Asians and Asian Americans make up around 2 million healthcare workers. You know, it's like the very people trying to combat COVID and protect you are being blamed for COVID. Mm. During his primetime address on the coronavirus pandemic last Thursday. Good evening, my fellow Americans. Tonight, I'd like to talk to you about where we are as we mark one year. This is something that President Biden talked about in, in his address, right? Yeah. What exactly 
did he say? And what effect do you think his speaking on it could have here? Yeah, I mean, during his speech, he called what's happening vicious, vicious hate, crimes. hate crimes. Against Asian Americans who've been attacked, harassed, blamed, and scapegoated. The fact that the president's bringing it up during a national address, you know it's snowballing as an issue. And it's not just a few people being shoved to the ground. So many of them are fellow Americans. They're on the front lines of this pandemic trying to save lives. And still, still, they're forced to live in fear for their lives just walking down streets in America. It's wrong, it's un-American, and it must stop. Like, it's getting more and more attention in news and media. And I think his team realized that he had to speak up about it. And this isn't the first time he's spoken up about it. He signed a memo in January to combat anti-Asian and Pacific Islander discrimination. That was part of a group of race-focused executive orders he put out. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was pushing for reintroduction of the No Hate Act, uh, which was supposed to better track these types of attacks and fund hate crime hotlines. Um, And, you know, that was co-sponsored by Congresswoman Judy Chu from California. Whether there's going to be actual change from all this is a different matter, but at the very least, a spotlight has been placed on this. In the aftermath of these attacks, we've seen some Asian and Asian American advocacy groups being extremely vocal about their allyship with Black and brown communities. And that's as it's come to light that some of the suspects in these incidents are Black or Latino people. I'm curious, why is that messaging important? And what are some of the deeper issues at play here? Yeah, I mean, it's a really important message. And and it's tricky. It's tricky because I think there's a few things going on here. Mm-hmm. So first, Asians have been very careful to focus on the racism at the core of this and not on the attacker's skin color. Like they do not want to turn this into anti-blackness because that's just further pushing terrible stereotypes and it doesn't help anyone. I think second, it's forcing the Asian community to take a closer look at whether they've been allies to black and brown communities when they've been attacked and not just speaking up when Asian people are being shoved to the ground. Mm -hmm. Like Asians have often been called the quote model minority, right? Because we don't rock the boat, we don't make a fuss, like this is a stereotype. Yeah, And it's forcing some within the community to turn the lens on themselves and say, hey, how do I show up at a Black Lives Matter rally and speak out against racism, not just when it affects me? But I think at the end of the day, I think what this surge in attacks is forcing communities to look at is that, you know, you can't fall into this trap of comparing like whose racism is worse or who's the bigger victim. Mm -hmm. And I think black and Asian communities now are taking a closer look at how racism, systemic racism is at the core of this. And so how do they start standing with each other? I mean, in in this episode, we're talking about anti-Asian attacks. But it's also important to remember that, like, this past Saturday was the one-year anniversary of Breonna Taylor's death, when police burst into her apartment and killed her, and none of those officers have been charged with her killing. Mm -hmm. Or that they're currently doing jury selection for the murder trial of Derek Chauvin, the Minneapolis police officer who killed George Floyd. Like, Like, all this is going on right now, and it raises questions of allyship when it comes to racism, and not just in your own community. People are looking at what's going on and saying... My community is dealing with racism and violence and trauma. Your community is dealing with racism and violence and generational built-in fear and trauma. And how can we help each other? 
Irene Noguchi. Thanks so much for sitting on the other side of the microphone and talking with me about this. Of course. Always happy to talk to you, Jeremy. Also today, Dr. Anthony Fauci is warning that pulling back coronavirus measures could endanger President Biden's July 4th goal for returning to relative normalcy. In an interview with Fox News over the weekend, the nation's top infectious disease expert said he thinks Biden's prediction is, quote, quite reasonable, but said that pulling back public health restrictions prematurely could trigger another surge. His comments come as some states, including Texas and Mississippi, have lifted mask mandates and moved to fully reopen businesses, while other states, like Maryland, have retained mask mandates but removed limits on capacity for business. And... Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is defending the newly signed coronavirus relief package, saying the benefits for the economy far outweigh any concerns that the burst of government spending could lead to inflation. President Biden signed the $1.9 trillion relief package last week, and some economists, including former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers, raised concerns that the measure could lead to rising prices in coming months. But speaking on ABC, Yellen shot down the risk as small, saying the greater concern would have been not bolstering the economy, though she did say efforts are needed to keep deficits under control. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, check out some of our other shows like Nerdcast, Politico Energy, and The Playbook Audio Briefing. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.